How are you feeling, Alan? <laughs> Clean. <laughs> it, it's amazing, isn't it? Like I said uh, before we actually did the baptism, this is a special day. It's a special day for a number of reasons. But we've, we've witnessed Alan getting baptised. We've seen him going under the water. And um, praise God, he was pulled back out of the water again. <laughs> And, but we've also celebrated, today we've been celebrating Alan's baptism. As a body of people here, we are celebrating with Alan that something has happened in his life that is truly momentous. But this morning, I just want to ask a question. I want to ask the question, why? Why do this weird thing? Why do we take people, get them to put bright yellow shorts on, walk them down into uh, a baptistry, then somebody else gets completely soaking wet, and then we send them off to get with a towel to dry themselves off and come back in again. Why do we do this weird thing? What's going on? What's so special about baptism? Well, I think the quick answer that I would give you can be found... See if this is working. Click on there. There we go. Is found in Galatians 2.20. And I would say the reason that we've done this today is because Alan can now say, along with Paul, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is an amazing truth. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Yes, but why? Why do we do baptism? That is true. That has happened for Alan. But why do we do baptism? What's all the fuss about? Well, let me read a definition of baptism to you. I found this definition of baptism which... I really quite like. I, I, I think for me it, it expresses it really well. And let me, let me just read it to you. Baptism is an ordinance by which those who have repented and come to faith express their union with Christ in his death and resurrection by being immersed in water in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It is a sign that they belong to God and it is an emblem of burial and cleansing, signifying death to the old self of unbelief and purification from the pollution of sin. I'll say that again. Baptism is an ordinance by which those who have repented and come to faith express their union with Christ in his death and resurrection by being immersed in water in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. It is a sign that we belong to God and it is an emblem of burial and cleansing signifying death to the old life of unbelief and purification from the pollution of sin. So let's go through that slowly. First of all, baptism is an ordinance. If you look at Matthew, um, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, you read this, we have this commission from God, and it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you, and be, sh and be sure of this, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Baptism then is not something that we choose whether we want to do it or not. It is a command. It is a command of God. Baptism is an ordinance. An ordinance is is a command. You see, Jesus planned it. Jesus did it. Jesus was baptised. Jesus planned it. Jesus ordained it. And he commanded it. He commanded in this Matthew 28, 18, which is what most of us would say, this is the great commission, the commission that God has given us, you and me as individuals and us as church, to go, make, baptise and teach. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptise them and teach them. So baptism is part of that command, that, that great commission, that ordinance. It is an ordinance. So why have we done this this morning? Because it is an ordinance. It is a command. God tells us to do it. Jesus said that's what we should do. But mo- notice also at the end of that, that verse 20, uh, uh, chapter, um, Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Notice right at the end there it says, I am with you. So what, what, what is God, Jesus saying? He's saying, go make um, baptize and teach and I am with you even to the end of the age. So this is something we as the church will continue to do until Christ comes again. It is something that we do. It is a command. It is an ordinance. So baptism is something we should do. We should go, make, baptize and teach until Christ returns. But you can still ask the question, why? Why all the fuss? Why do this? Why do this strange thing? What is all the fuss about? Well, because it's a command. Yes. But there is more. There's more to this. Baptism is an outward expression of an inner truth. And so what Alan has done today is publicly and outwardly shown, expressed something that happened in here. Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified. That's what we said at the beginning. Alan, your old self has been crucified with Christ and it is no longer you who live, but it is Christ who lives in you. And that's what makes it all work because Christ is living in you. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. On the 5th of July, 1986, Sharon put that ring on my finger. And I have worn it every day since with joy. It comes off. Sometimes I take it off. Sometimes I sit and I play with it. I just slide it down on the end of my finger and I'm just playing with it. And do you know what? It reminds me of those promises we made to one another. That there on my finger, it's, it's so, that actually it's been on my finger for so long and I've put on so much weight that you can see that there is a, a ring around the base of my finger. So even though I take it off, I, it doesn't get away. That was put on my finger by Sharon. July the 5th. 1986, and I've worn it ever since. It has been said that baptism is to the to Christian faith what the wedding ring is to a marriage. It is a symbol of, or an outward expression of the covenant that Sharon and I made to one another. We've witnessed that 
just last week, we saw a covenant being made or being expressed publicly. It draws a mark between our past, Sharon and my past, and our future because from that point in time, and it reminds me of that, I am no longer just me, but I am now part of me and Sharon. We've become one. And everything's different. Everything's different. Like the wedding ring, baptism is an outward expression of that inner truth that myself has been crucified, my old self has been crucified with Christ, and that it is no longer I that live, but the Christ that lives in me. It draws a mark between the future and the past. It is like that wedding ring. It says, from this day forward, all can see that I belong to Christ. This water doesn't change anything. This water is not special. It came out the tap and it will go back down the drain. There's not even any bubbles in it. Look at it. It's just water. It's got a few strange bubbles on the top and we're not quite sure what they are. (laughs) But it's just water in a tank. And even the words that were used, the words that were spoken over Alan while he was in the tank, they weren't special words that changed anything. This hasn't magically changed anything. But it is a point in time that marks something phenomenal in the life of Alan. Something has changed, and this to Alan will be like, my wedding ring is to me. He will be able to look back at this and say, yes, I did that. Because we all go through difficult times, don't we? As Christians, it's not always easy. It's not always an easy walk. Sometimes it is that mountaintop experience, and we enjoy the presence of God. But sometimes we go through those darker times and sometimes we need to be able to look back and say, no, I did that. It was real and it is real. This morning, Alan has expressed an outward declaration signifying before us and sealing before God the inner truth that he is saved by grace through faith by our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, um, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 said, God saves you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he has planned long ago. Alan, that you will do the good things that God has planned for you. David, I will do the good things that God has planned for me. Put your name in there. If you've given your life to Christ, if he has changed you. If you, like Alan, can say, there was a time when my life was crooked and now things have changed. There was a time in my life when I had anger and other problems and now things have changed. If you have met that point with Christ, then something incredible has happened and you can say that you are God's masterpiece and that he has created you for his planned purposes. So baptism is an ordinance, it's a command, it's an outward expression of an inner truth. But still, we can ask the question, why? Why baptism? It still seems strange, still seems odd. 
Well, there's another thought on baptism. Baptism is an expression of faith and obedience. When we make a decision to follow Jesus, when Alan made that decision, when any of us makes a decision, something happens in here. Something happens in our heart. Something happens in our spirit. Something happens inside. Sometimes, when we see somebody and that happens, and it's happened just recently, you can see it in the person. There are changes. Alan talks about the, 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 the anger in that going. There are changes in the person. But it's still something that's happened in here. Baptism makes it public. Baptism says it's happened, and I want everybody to know about it. It is a public expression of faith. Faith that Jesus is going to do all that he has promised. Faith that Jesus' death on the cross actually does deal with my sin. Faith that God is with me and he's looking after. There's so much faith involved in it. Faith that it's all true and now I'm going to do this weird thing and show everybody. But it is also an act of obedience. It is a celebration, a public celebration of obedience to Christ because what Alan is doing is what Jesus said, be baptised. No matter what it looks like, no matter how strange it is, be baptised. And he's done that. So it is, a, it is a profession. Jesus, if we look in Scripture, Jesus said in that 18, uh, 28, 19, as we read before, go make disciples. But then it goes on. If we look at the story of when Jesus was baptised himself, it says there, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptised by John, but John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptised by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said this, he said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed and baptised him. And then look again at 14, uh, John 14, 15, to 20, uh, 15 and 23. And in there, first of all, Jesus says in 15, if you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. And then later on in 23, in that same chapter, he says, um, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. So it is an act of obedience, and that's what Alan's done this morning. So we could say, okay, that's fine. I've got it. I've got it. Baptism is an ordinance. It's a command of God. Baptism is the outward expression of inner truth. It's a public expression of faith, and it's a, a celebration of obedience. But I still ask the question, so what? Why stuff somebody down under the water and pull them up again? What's all that about? Do you know what, church? Sometimes as Christians, we take it for granted because we've seen it so, so many times. But there are people that think this is a very strange thing to do. Because you don't even get to swim lengths, it's too small. <laughs> Baptism is an emblem of burial and cleansing. It's an emblem signifying death to the old life of unbelief and purification from the pollution of sin. That's what it said in that definition at the beginning. Let me also just say, this is the so what, okay? This next bit is the so what of why all of this has to happen. This is what it's all about. This is why we're celebrating. You see, the, there is a problem. There is a, a fundamental problem with humankind. There is a problem that, that needs to be solved because the Bible tells us this 
It says, for everybody has sinned and all have fallen short of God's glorious standards. There is a problem. No matter how big or small it may seem to us, sin is not trite. Sin is not something small. Sin demands of us an absolute price. There is a price that is beyond understanding at times because what sin demands is our life. And what so many people do not understand is that to be sinful means that you are paying with your life. When I use Google, I pay with my information. And if I'm not careful, it sort of hoovers up the rest of my life as well. But sin says, I want everything. You need to pay me now for the pleasure of being able to sin. We don't see it that way. We miss, mankind misses that truth. Sin takes everything and it takes our lives. Sin is not trite. Let me put it this way. Let's say Pete is out there doing one of his breakfasts. Where's Peter? He's he's in this somewhere. There you are. You're out there doing a breakfast for us, right? And you're going to make a lovely omelette for everybody. You crack five eggs into the pan and the last egg comes out. There's a certain aroma that raises as the egg is broken and you notice the yolk and the white have all started to sort of blend together a little bit and it sort of oozes out into the pan. Am I making my point here? You think to yourself, that's fine. We've got five good eggs in there. One bad one ain't going to be an issue. You beat the thing up and you bring it in. Would you expect people to be eating that? Who in this room would want to eat that? All right, we can fix it. Let's put another five eggs in there, beat it all up, and we'll use that. You still want some, do you? Well, you see, that's sort of what sin's a little bit like. It's a bit of a poor illustration, but it is an illustration. One sin is enough to keep us out of the presence of God. And the truth of the matter is, Adam and Eve, when they first decided to take things into their own hands. When they sinned in that garden, the Garden of Eden, all those, all those centuries ago, they messed everything up for the rest of us in a big way. A curse came upon creation and we live in that situation now. Sin is a big thing. There is a price to be paid. It is eternal death and separation from God in a place called hell. And it really isn't good. And hell is not some nice place where you can drink your whiskies and your beers and, and, and have dirty jokes and laugh about all sorts of different things and chat about pornography and all that sort of stuff. That's not what hell is. Hell is absolute separation. Hell is horrible. It's nasty. It's the end. There is no coming back. It's the finish. And this is our problem. This is the problem that mankind has. But God has made a provision. And here we go, there's going to be a blast of a whole load of scriptures on this one. God has made a a, a provision for us. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The, hang on, flip it on. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Sin demands payment, but God said, I'm going to come and give you a free gift. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to rescue you. Romans 5.8, no, sorry, Romans 3.24, there you go. 
Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. In His sight, He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. And Romans 5.8 says, But God showed us His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus said, For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And finally, Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. Now, I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is God's word, and I believe that the Bible was, was, was given to us so that we can know what God wants. God is beyond understanding, beyond our our comprehension, and yet the Bible shows us what God wants, and the Bible tells us that there is a way. And that is that is the 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 the, the nub of all this. What is this all about? What is this ordinance, this command that was given? Why? What is this outward expression of inner truth? What is this public expression of faith? What is this celebration of obedience all about? It's all about Christ who came just at the right time and died for me and for you and for all mankind. That is what this is about. When Alan went under the water, he was representing, he was expressing, he was demonstrating that Christ died for you and me. But joy of joys. Last week we celebrated the fact that that was not the end of the story. Otherwise, Alan would still be down there now and would be calling the ambulance. Christ rose from the dead. Everything changed. Everything. Because he had done it. What did Jesus say when he was on the cross? He said, it is finished. What is finished? It's done. He met the penalty. He paid the price. And then, three days later, he rose again. Why does he rise? He rose to give us life. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, so that we, so we too might walk in newness of life. Four twenty-five Romans four says that that he Jesus handed uh, was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins, and he was raised. Why was he raised to life to prove that he had made us right with God? That is why the resurrection of Jesus is so, so important. And we go right back full circle to what we had. My old self has been crucified with Christ. But I finish with this. There's one last thing I need to say. I love this last bit. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. You need to make a decision this morning. All of us, one way or another, I I believe that God wants all of us to make a decision this morning. Are we going to give more of ourselves to him? 
I don't know whether you know the Lord or if you don't know the Lord here this morning. I don't know whether you've walked, you've come to church for a very long time, but you've never taken that extra step. You've never said to the Lord, I give you my life. I will let go. You are my Lord. That means you can tell me what to do and I will do it. You may have been a Christian a long time. You may have walked with him for a long time. You may be going through a period when things seem a bit dry and a bit hard and you just need to come back to the point where you recognize at the right time Christ has been crucified. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. We celebrate that. We celebrated that in our Alan's baptism. What we're celebrating this morning, yes, it's Alan's baptism and what's happened with him, but what we're celebrating is that Christ has given us a way out. And that's the point. I don't want you to miss that opportunity this morning. I'm not sure whether this is going to work, but I'll say it anyway. Ten reasons why I never wash. I was forced to wash as a child. There are so many kinds of soaps, I just can't decide which one to use. I used to wash, but it got rather boring. I wash only on Christmas and Easter. Oh, none of my friends wash, it's okay. I'll start washing when I'm older. I don't really have time to wash. Oh, the bathroom isn't very warm. People who make soap are only after our money. One or two of you get it. Is there any excuse, is there any reason why you can't take a step closer to God this morning? I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I was talking to somebody in the week and even this morning and saying that there is a work of sanctification in our lives. And that work progresses from the day we give ourselves to to the Lord when, when he's captured our hearts and we become his to the day we stand before him in glory because... We've died before he's come. All we stand before him in glory because he's come and he's caught us up with him. There is a process. And we're all at different stages. But there does come times when we need to just respond to God and say, yes, you are my Lord. I want to step forward. I don't want you to go home today without praying with somebody if you've felt God has challenged you to just make a step forward. Just move forward with him. If you don't know the Lord, if you've never asked him into your life before, please talk to one of us. Talk to me. Talk to, to Barry's at the back there. Um, Mark. Uh, there's so many of us in the place that you can chat to. Talk to us. Ask us to pray with you. If you don't want to do that, let me leave you this challenge. Honestly ask the Lord to make himself shown to you. He will. My belief, I've seen it happen. I've seen people walk away thinking, yeah, I'm not sure. And I know that they have then honestly asked God, not expecting a lot, but they've been open and honest in their heart, and God has met them. And I just want to leave that with you. So if you don't want to talk to anybody this morning, you know, don't take the risk, but ask the Lord to make himself known to you. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what has happened, what we have seen, what we have witnessed, what we have watched. Thank you for the, 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 the reason behind it. Thank you for the meaning of it. Thank you, Lord, that it's not just some spectacle, but it's something really important. 
Father God, we thank you for all those things. In your name. Amen. Amen. Bless you.